0: Welcome to the Brian Nichols Show. I'm your host, Brian Nichols. And what another fun-filled episode do I have in store for you. Brian Nichols Show is a part of the We Are Libertarians Network. And yes, we are the fastest-growing libertarian podcast in the nation, I do declare. And uh, with that being said, if you enjoyed today's episode, please feel free to to swing over to Twitter, give me a follow at B. Nichols Liberty. Also on Facebook at B. Nichols Liberty, And of course, you can go ahead and subscribe to Patreon at B. Nichols Liberty and help us keep producing this content that you enjoy. If this is your first time on The Brian Nichols Show, first of all, thank you for joining us today. Uh, and fear not, yes, the, the Brian Nichols Show, we are a libertarian podcast. Uh, and to quote one of my former guests, Remzar Martinez, no, you don't have to stay away from libertarians because The Brian Nichols Show is a show uh, that has been developed to uh, really do three things. Educate, enlighten, and inform. And uh, our our audience is going to be across all forms of spectrum of political thought. We've had people on from your, your far-left socialists to... Uh, your you're dead set uh, conservatives, uh, libertarians, moderates, independents, communists, all those in between. And uh, with that being said, uh, if you do enjoy today's episode, please feel free to swing over to iTunes, like and review. That's how we uh, are able to keep the content uh, popping up on people's uh, on people's search lists there on the iTunes machine. Um, and also, uh, if you do enjoy today's show, please feel free to share with friends and family. Again, that's how we get the message of liberty out. And I will conclude, ladies and gentlemen, with another tease because I I was blown away by all of your your responses and reactions to uh, the the bumper sticker giveaway uh that we've been doing here. <clears throat> and um uh, I say giveaway, it's not really a giveaway. It's actually a, a, a nice little uh, fundraiser to help the show grow. Uh, but I have actually used this to uh, to give away some uh, some free bumper stickers here and there to those uh those lucky listeners who have been uh interacting with back and forth on social media. Uh if you want one of these amazing, wonderful uh don't hurt people, don't take people's stuff bumper stickers uh Feel free to go ahead and shoot me an email at the Brian Nichols Show at gmail.com. Request uh, a bumper sticker. They're $10 a pop. I know that sounds like a little bit, but guys, when it comes down to it, the way that we fund this show is completely not only out of our pocket, but uh, anything we can get from uh, the listener to help us out along the way. And uh, the, bumper sticker, uh, the bumper sticker sale seems to really be a great... A uh, great means to not only uh, interact with some of my, my listeners and uh, to to be able to help, again, fund some of this show, but also um, to go and uh, help spread the message of liberty. I've actually had uh, the bumper sticker in my car now for a couple of weeks, and I've actually had people um, you know ask me some questions about the, the bumper sticker. They're like, hey, you know, what, what does that mean? I thought that was pretty cool, leaving the gym, and guy saw it, and he goes, don't hurt people, don't take people's stuff. Well, what does that mean? And he said, oh, you're a libertarian. And I said, yeah. He goes, so you like smoking pot. <laughs> I just laughed. And I was like, nah, that's not what being a libertarian is, unless you're Gary Johnson, in which case you're dead Right. Uh, but, uh, with that being said, ladies and gentlemen, thank you again for joining me today. It's going to be a little bit of a different episode, uh, riding solo today. I haven't been, done a solo episode in quite a bit. Um, actually did have an interview scheduled and I'm going to rant here, uh, and not about my guest, uh, Phillip Page. He's running for New York state assembly up in uh, Northern New York. <clears throat> and, uh, Philip's a great guy and, uh, it's a great sport too, because, uh, I, I got ready. I was in the studio. I was getting ready to, uh, to, uh, to start, uh, uh, prepping for today's show and, and I turn on my computer and of course you know, I'm going through my, my show prep and then the computer decides to do an automatic update via Microsoft and uh, I, I think oh, this isn't going to be too long and uh, it was one of those, those new updates that's been going out that uh, takes your computer like three hours. Uh, to uh, to actually update all the way, so that's fun. So uh, ended up uh, had the show scheduled to uh, start with uh, Philip at 7:30 Eastern time. Uh, here we are. It's uh, now recording at 10:30 Eastern time. My computer just finally updated, and uh, Philip, God bless his heart, we were ready to record. And then his internet went out because some guy hit a uh, telephone pole up in northern New York and took out the internet there for, for the area. So. Uh, I, I think it was just the stars saying that we're not going to record tonight, but uh, we're going to get that back in the books. Looking ahead to next week, uh, actually I'm going to have Philip on uh, later in the week, uh, but we're going to have a special, uh, special week next week for those of you who have been uh, regular listeners used to the one episode per week. Uh, next week we're going to have not only um, Philip on, but we're going to have a special uh, guest episode. Very prominent libertarian within libertarian circles. Uh, I'm sure you know him from Twitter uh, and and throughout uh, libertarian party interactions. So I'm gonna, I'm going to just tease that interview early next week and it should be out next Tuesday or so. <clears throat> but with that being said, uh, I do want to keep today's show relatively brief. Um, you know, Not only with all the, the various issues in terms of the tech side of things that I've been dealing with over here, um, but also because it is 10.30 at night and I'm recording this uh, on a Thursday evening. Uh, but there are some things that, uh, that took place here in the past uh, few hours I did want to to kind of cover. Um, so with that being said, let's dig right into it, starting off with the, uh, the farm build. Now, I'm not sure if... Uh, you ladies and gentlemen, I'm paying attention to uh, what's been going on in, in terms of things beyond the immigration discussion. Uh, obviously, the immigration discussion has, has really co opted uh, the national conversation, and rightfully so, uh, because obviously, when you have young children being taken away from their parents, that's going to evoke a pretty strong emotional response. And uh, I honestly, I, I totally get that. I think that. It's important that we're having this conversation, and uh, if if you really want a nice, deep analysis into what happened with this immigration discussion, um, I I really suggest swing over to the uh, my my cohorts at the We Are Libertarians uh, Network Uh, for the We Are Libertarian Show. We had uh, Harry Price and Chris Spangle really dig deep into uh, this conversation about um not only what the current law is, uh, but what the Trump administration was doing, uh what the the laws that were being that there were actually yes, they were on the books, but were now being enforced. Um, you know, one of the things about the the uh, executive branch is that it's at the discretion of uh the executive whether or not to enforce the laws and Trump decided to start enforcing these laws that were on the books and that's his prerogative that doesn't make it right. Uh but uh, w- without digging too much into that right now, go ahead and check out uh, this past week's episode on the We Are Libertarians uh, channel there. Uh, Chris and Harry do a great job digging through that. But uh, one thing that happened today uh, that you may have not been paying attention to um, was the the Farm Bill, which, uh, as one of the the beacons of liberty in Congress, Justin Amash called the, the Corporate Welfare Bill, uh, ended up passing uh, 213 to 211 votes, um, Justin, beforehand He said, quote, one of the biggest big government bills is back up to vote today, tweeting this this morning, um, saying the so-called farm bill. It's mostly a welfare bill, and it's piled high with the worst sort of welfare, corporate welfare. This is the exact same bill that failed on May 18th. And uh, Justin said he was a, quote, easy no. Uh, for this bill, and you can follow Justin over on Twitter, Justin the Mash. Uh I did want to dig into, uh, you know, what is what was the Farm Bill, and um, Reason Magazine had a really fantastic article that came out uh, back at the beginning of this month. Um, from Brian Linekin <clears throat> and it starts saying earlier this week, reports indicate that Republicans in Congress now taking another stab at passage of another bloated farm bill would attempt to eliminate an Obama era change that had re- uh, renied in tax pl- uh taxpayer funded farm subsidies paid to the most uh, many wealthiest American farmers. Also now in the shopping block, the report claims are limits on subsidies paid to family members serving as nominal farm co-owners, such as spouses or kids. Uh, When these caps were put in place, uh, they were little more than baby steps in the right direction. They were the first of many needed agricultural reforms, nearly all of which involved Congress and the USDA giving away less of your money. But elimination of these minor reforms would uh, conform almost all of what critics of both Washington lawmakers and farm subsidies have long uh, contended, that they are unnecessary, embarrassing, shambolic, shameless, ossified, counterproductive, abominable, and grotesque abominable not abominable that's the abdomen abominable like in uh in uh what was that the the rudolph the rudolph special the um the abominable snowman but he's a bumble that uh that's where my mind went there the uh the abominable snowman the abominable farm bill it's the name of this episode the abominable farm bill um now i'm gonna t- take a step back here for a second. Now. The Farm Bill and uh, the, the conversation about farmers actually has um, quite a bit of personal significance to me. I am originally from upstate New York, and uh, my pretty much my entire family, um, up until the late 90s, uh, was involved in some way, shape, or form in farming. Um, so... Actually, my my cousins who, who live right next door to us actually still still are farmers. And and anytime the discussion of you know the farm bill or or farm subsidies came up, it was always an interesting kind of a situation because the conservative side of me was always is like, well, that nah, doesn't seem right. But then you have this name, the farm bill, uh, and it's supposed to make it seem like oh, you know, it's helping farmers. And and that's the way it's it's perceived. That's the way it's marketed, um, which is upsetting because the farm bill really isn't a means to help your your average you know mom and pop dairy farm. That's not the goal. Uh, To continue with the the Reason article here, so Congress's despicable plan to resubsidize wealthy farmers was revealed just days after a new analysis from the Environmental Working Group of Washington, D.C.-based nonprofit that monitors farm subsidies, revealed that tens of thousands of Americans had received farm subsidies, other or other taxpayer-supported payments every year for more than three decades. Continuing, the total uh, EGW's research revealed a nauseating and outrageous uh, statement saying that the USDA data from 1985 to 2016 showed that nearly 28,000 farmers had received more than $19 billion uh, over more than three decades. Ten recipients received at least $8 million over this period. Per farmer, the total reveal... uh, the total reveal these 28,000 or so farmers got an average of more than $675,000 of taxpayer subsidies over a little more than three decades. Uh, Billionaires and multimillionaires have long been among those who also receive farm subsidies. Now this, this part right here is important for your average consumer of, of the media or, you know, of the news to kind of take a step back and say, well, what is a subsidy? Uh, And a subsidy is essentially a, to put it in layman's terms, it's essentially the government giving money to an organization or an entity to prop up that organization or entity because the the organization wasn't able to prop themselves up on the market themselves. Um, so let's say, for instance, you know it's the summertime here. Uh, you're you 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 own a, a lemonade stand, right? And uh, your mommy and daddy give you a lemonade stand. And I'm not going to go into Michael Scott saying, uh, then I'll be six. Uh, (laughs) The Office is the best television show of all time. Um, So your mommy and daddy, uh, they they say, hey, you know what, Brian? It's great that you're having this lemonade stand. You know, go out sell your lemonade in the corner and, uh, you know, good luck. Let, let's see what happens. And I'm, I'm sitting there all day and the, the the pot of lemonade is, is it's melting all the ice inside. My lemonade's getting all gross and, and watery and I'm sweating in the hot sun. And, uh, I haven't sold any cups of lemonade today. That stinks because now I'm, I'm, I'm sitting here and I'm out, you know, 10 bucks on, on buying the lemons and the lemon press and the, the sugar and the, and I had to go to the store and buy a nice big bag of ice. And, uh, you know, mom and dad, they just look out and they say, ah, oh, man, it's great though that he's, he's trying so hard. So, uh, instead they, 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 they say the next day, you know, Hey, Brian, you know, we know you didn't sell any, uh, any lemonade yesterday, but Hey, we're gonna give you $10 on our own money right here. Okay to, uh, to have you go out and you're going to, you're going to do it again. You're going to take that money, buy some more lemonade stuff and you're going to try again. Maybe I sell one cup that day, right? Yeah. You know, I'm sitting in the hot sun. I sell one cup for $2. All right. It's great. But I still owe mom and dad $8. But they say, ah, it's okay, Brian. You know, you, just, you we love seeing you, you have this job outside and we're just going to keep on paying you $10 every single day to go get all the supplies. And you're able to, to go out there and work hard. And, uh, the problem is is that the reason that I'm able to do this is because I'm getting paid by mommy and daddy despite lack of any um any real tangible income coming in uh, or profits from my son the lemonade so let's say Johnny down the street Johnny's dad works for kool-aid I'll say kool-aid and Johnny's realize that kool-aid i mean i can sell kool-aid for 50 cents a cup i can sell a lot of it it's cheap and dad has kool-aid here i can just sell and johnny goes and starts selling some selling kool-aid and i'm competing with with johnny and the only reason i can compete with johnny even though johnny's selling cup after cup and making you know money hand over fist is because mommy and daddy keep on paying me ten dollars to keep me afloat and that's really what what the idea of a subsidy is um, and I'm sorry for those of you who, who are, are sitting here for the past two minutes saying, Brian, we know what a subsidy is, but I think it's important to kind of, you know, set the, uh, the idea of, you know, what these terms mean for those of us who are listening to the show for the first time, and maybe maybe aren't really in tune with the, the economic language. Um, so, so with that being said, subsidies are essentially the government being mommy and daddy paying for, uh, you know, me to go out and, and buy have my lemonade stand even though i'm not making any money and the problem with subsidies is that they actually stifle the ability for not only me to try and go and learn how to to do um you know my lemonade stand better oh maybe i need to to spend less money on lemons i need to to, you know maybe make a less strong lemonade and use a little less sugar And, and to make myself competitive so i can actually you know Make sure that I'm making money on my lemonade stand, but it also negatively impacts Johnny. Even though Johnny is, uh, you know, selling his Kool Aid for fifty cents a cup, and um, you know he's he's making money, but is not getting the subsidy um, for, like 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 I am. So he's actually having to make sure the money's coming in, in order to keep uh, keep having the ability to produce his his Kool Aid that he's selling in the street. So it artificially props up my lemonade stand. Um, in the market to compete, even though on its own, my lemonade stand would fail. And uh, then Johnny would be the only guy in town. So that, that is kind of the problem to to give you a layman's terms of a subsidy. Um, And and the problem with the likes of a farm bill here with the the $19 billion being handed out to the 28,000 farmers over three decades. Now continue with the article. So typically subsidies, um, have benefited, uh, unfortunately, only larger farmers who farm just a handful of crops and who should not and, and flatly do not need the subsidies in order to succeed. Um, those who received subsidies over the years, uh, all, as uh, is noted here in the article, are those, uh, also those who uh, are famous rich Americans who aren't farmers, including Paul Allen, Charles Schwab, John Bon Jovi, Bruce Springsteen, and Scotty Pippen. But it's not just actors, sports stars, or software billionaires who are taking advantage of farm subsidies. Members of Congress are also in on the game. For example, the family farm owned by former Representative Marion Barry of Arkansas averaged nearly the $100,000 per year in subsidies during the nine years Barry was in Washington, according to the 2006 Arkansas Leader Report. And after he, quote, signed over 25% of the stocks in his farms corporation to his son and his farm manager to meet federal requirements, that 50% of ownership of a farm corporation must actively be involved in the operation to be eligible for subsidies. Also, former representative Michelle Balkin received two hundred and fifty-one thousand dollars in farm payments between nineteen ninety-five and two thousand and six, according to Politico. While railing against the excessive, uh, the excess of various government programs, um, so moral of the story is that the 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 farm bill in general. Don't let words deceive you. Um, the the name the farm bill, it sounds like it's going out. It's supposed to be helping. The the mom-and-pop dairy farm. And the reality is, it just literally doesn't. The Farm Bill is just another bloated government uh, program that it only... I mean, it really is. It's corporate welfare. It's helping these corporations who... Otherwise they wouldn't be able to stand on their own while at the same point in time, it's not helping the, the individual farmer, the, the mom and pop farmer who maybe actually would need the help. Uh, but now they're actually being, uh, hurt because they're being forced to compete against these corporate farms that are getting government money while they're having to rely on their laurels. So that is, uh, the, the whole farm bill, um, you know, it, as it was, uh, which is, is, is unfortunate. Um, And moving forward here, let's see the next story I wanted to cover. Well, this isn't really a story. This is, um... (laughs) How should I put this? This is a problem that I have as it pertains to conservative-slash-libertarian... We'll say conservatarian, um, bigwigs. And I'll say celebrities, almost, um, who the only reason that they are, I do say it's the only reason. The only reason though that they are really in this prominent position they are is because of this tacit embrace or in some cases full-throated embrace of Donald Trump. And uh, to conclude today's episode, I, uh, <laughs> it's funny because you don't know the behind the scenes. I already recorded this, but uh, there must be like, June 21st just doesn't like me technology-wise because I ended up... I recorded about a 45-minute total episode, and we are now around, like, what, 20 minutes or so? I'm re-recording this part of the episode. Um, So, by 20 minutes, that I never will get back, but we're going to pretend I did right now. Um, Sorry, I should... That's so unprofessional, Brian. You shouldn't have done that. But, hey, you know what? I'll give you a peek behind the curtain and let you know what's going on. Um, Alright, let's do this. So... I wanted to conclude today uh, discussing Charles Krauthammer. Um, Now, I'm going to preface this by saying I understand that Charles Krauthammer is not exactly a libertarian icon, (laughs) to say the least. Uh, Charles uh, Krauthammer easily is more in the conservative camp, um, but... I think it's important to understand... So, first and foremost, Charles Crowhammer, uh, as this time of recording, just passed away um, today at the age of 68. um, Longtime Fox News contributor, Pulitzer Prize winner, Harvard-trained psychiatrist, best-selling author. I mean, very, very well accomplished. And I think it's important to kind of take a step and look at the life of Charles. I did want to kind of uh, of give you an idea of... or maybe a lesson... Um, is a better word to use, of using Charles in the, as an example to how we interact in our daily lives. So um, for those of you who weren't aware, so Charles Krauthammer's death has been expected for, for a couple of weeks now. He actually sent a, a pretty... Uh, crushing letter to his uh, his colleagues and and friends and the likes uh, a couple weeks ago saying quote I've been uncharacteristically silent these past 10 months I thought that silence would soon be coming to an end but I'm afraid I must tell you now that the fate has decided on a different course for me recent tests have revealed that the cancer was returned there was no sign of it as recently as a month ago which means now it's aggressive and spreading rapidly my doctors tell me their best estimate is I only have a few weeks to live this is the final verdict my fight is over um which is cr- i mean I don't, I don't care if you agree with the guy's politics that's crushing like to have the uh the i understand that you i mean first of all if you don't understand charles Crowhammer, he's he's been in a wheelchair um damn near 60 years of his entire life he was um i think 20 ish when he he was in this really nasty swimming accident he broke his his neck and spinal cord and he's he's paralyzed um, he's been living in a wheelchair. I didn't even realize that. I'd watch him growing up. You know, my dad was watching Fox News at night, and Charles Carthammer would be one of the, the colonists on or one of the thinkers. And you know, just sitting at a desk, you'd never know. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, he, he he's faced adversity his whole life. And I. so the reason I wanted to have this conversation <clears throat> is to hopefully, <laughs> I say this, I understand my audience. I'm saying hopefully, though. That we can try and break past uh, the the political slash personal dichotomy that we see we can't seem to 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 get over that someone in their political life isn't necessarily who they are in their personal life. And I wanted to share a a, a, a thread I found on Twitter from uh, Nash Jenkins, and he starts by saying, "I'd like to share a story about Charles Krauthammer. In October 2016, my dad left Krauthammer and Robert Reich, or met." Crowhammer and Robert Urich, my apologies, at a thing in Washington. I'm not exactly sure what that thing was, but they chatted for a while after. My dad's a geek for this stuff, so we got a photo, and he posted it to Instagram. Uh, until I saw that photo, I had no idea that Crowhammer was in a wheelchair. Me too, man. Um, I just knew, him as a pundit, that conservatives of an older generation like my dad revered. I looked it up, and I learned that in his first year of medical school at Harvard, Krauthammer was uh, was in a swimming accident that left him largely paralyzed. Despite this, he found success as a psychiatrist, and later on as a political writer. Still, I remember thinking, how sad. On June 25th of last year, I was living in Hong Kong, and I got a FaceTime call shortly after midnight from my mom back home in North Carolina. I almost didn't answer. Everything's okay, but your dad's been in an accident, she told me. My dad, now 56... But up, My dad is now 56, but up until that point, he had been pathologically active. In this case, he was surfing in Nicaragua. A wave had crashed on him and slammed him at the bottom, and he quickly realized he couldn't move. To abbreviate a long story has been very painful, after a 48-hour trip from the jungle of Manguea to the neurosurgical hospital at UNC, my dad learned that he had just broken his neck and severed his spinal cord. He was and remains paralyzed from the chest down, and doctors told him very candidly he would never walk again. For my sisters and me... Those first two weeks remain foggy. Those memories are shrouded in the pantea of grief, confusion, fear, and in my case, jet lag, as I had flown back from Hong Kong once I realized the severity of the injury. But what I do remember is the email that Charles Krauhammer sent my dad, I'd like to share that with you. It says, Mr. Jenkins, I, I heard about your accident. I'm so sorry. I enjoyed meeting you last year, and I'm deeply sympathetic to your new and most harrowing situation. As you know, I've been there. I know full well how difficult things are at the beginning and how often how hopeless they seem. I also do know what's possible. It turns out to be quite a lot. I don't pretend it's everything, but a good, productive, and deeply enjoyable life is possible. What it acquired in my case was a simple determination to keep going in the direction I was headed. I found out I could do psychiatry and then a journalism career at a totally even par with my colleagues. Your accident is occurring much later in life than mine. I was 22 which presents its own challenges. On the other hand, you have so many years of experience and much respect and admiration from friends, colleagues, and family accumulated over a lifetime. They will serve you well and help you through what will, at first, be significant challenges. I rate you because I know the challenges firsthand. I know how discouraging they can initially be, but I also know with absolute certainty that they can be accommodated and even overcome, and that a good life is possible. I am fully aware of how terribly discouraging it is to have to put in twice the effort for gains that seem so meager at the beginning, but I can assure you that it can be done and then it is rewarded. I don't mean to sugarcoat things. Life is more difficult with a spinal cord injury, but the obstacles are not insurmountable. I know this is all scant consolation and it's not really meant as that, but it's simply meant to give you a different perspective on your future. Mine is from a of mirror. I know what actually can be. I also know that for you, so soon after your accident, it is perspective. You are looking into a future that is necessarily unclear to you. I wish only to assure you, from my own experience of 45 years post-accident, that it can be a very good life indeed. I hope this is helpful. I wish you all the best in your recovery. Charles Krauthammer. And, um, that made me a little teary, because, um, i uh i think it's important and it's gonna be weird doing this this soliloquy again uh, but it still hits me because it's so it's so important to to discuss since that um we have to find a way as i say this specifically to many of my libertarian audience but to to conservatives and, and a lot of those in the left as well. If you find yourself on a an ideological skewed perspective of the world, we got a way to find a way to, to stop to stop just treating each other so terribly. I mean in the, in the hours after Charles Krauthammer passed, I I see all these these posts on Twitter and on Facebook of of uh, you know, good Go to hell, you you evil little troll demon! And I'm like, half off. Like he he a man just died, and not only that, I think it's so important for us to understand that people can be a political person and be someone completely not even completely different, just. Someone not political, at the same time, and maybe it's because I grew up in a political household, um, that this impacts me a little. Like it hits me a little, a little more at, at you know close to home, quite literally. And uh, I, I, I have this memory uh, growing up after after church every Sunday, we would go to <clears throat> Simply Sandwiches in in. in downtown and and we would we'd go there and and grab grab lunch with it was myself my my parents my my grandparents on both sides and and uh my my aunts and my my great grandma and we would we'd would go and it was, it was just it was it was a big you know big to do every sunday and um one of my jobs was i would take 75 cents three quarters and i'd go up to the the, the cash register and i'd walk over and i'd grab the it was called the Sunday News Advance Journal from the, my, my hometown paper. <clears throat> I'd grab it and I would bring that over to the table and everybody, we'd pass it around. But, you know, usually I'd get it first and and everybody would be getting settled in, getting their food and such. And I remember I, I would always glance at it. And uh, there was this one uh, the guy who's actually the editor for the paper uh, was, was politically left-leaning. And... Um, <clears throat> I remember reading at the time uh, some perspective my dad at the time was the uh the the county chairman uh for the board of legislatures <clears throat> and i remember reading once uh and like in in the they were called kelly's comments the editor's name was chuck kelly and and uh, it was called kelly's comments and and he would always do his little perspective of you know what's happening in the the city or in the the county or in the state and the likes and I remember like Just this one day I started reading and it was like talking about my dad, but it was very, it was very personal. And I was like, that's not my dad. Like, and he was like, he was like making it almost like a vindictive thing. It is about politics, but making it more of a personal level. And I, that like really, it hit me. I was like, that's not my dad. Like, you don't, you don't know my dad. Like, this is, this is just like, it, it almost felt libelous. And um, I think that experience kind of put me in a position where I've always tried to focus on, <clears throat> on separating the political person from who they are as a person. And yes, politics and, and your, your personality, they do have an, an overlap, but just, just watching people destroy others because of politics it 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 really hurts my heart um you you, just let's let's just take the libertarian uh, national convention that's going to be happening here in a couple of weeks and and we have two gentlemen running for chair and josh smith and and nick sarwark and, and and my god it's a it's a bloodbath Because we've 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 gone beyond what the people will like what Josh would do for the LP versus what Nick will do for the LP, and it's like you know looking to try and find the the deepest darkest darkest stuff about who these people are as, as individuals and try to destroy them. And I'm like, God, like we are at the end of the day, we are a family, not only as libertarians but as as people on this planet. I mean, there are people on the left who I absolutely abhor their politics. I can't stand their politics. But it's politics. Like, <laughs> Ruth Bader Ginsburg and, and um, Salito were two amazing friends, completely opposite in politics on the Supreme Court, but two amazingly close friends. That is how we should be as, as as people in politics, involved in politics. We got to stop this. I mean, let me just say, Nick Sarwark, I, I doubt you're listening to this because you don't really like me too much because I give you crap and I put your feet to the fire. And you know what? Hey, I do it because I want to see the LP succeed. But the reality is I don't look as Nick as a bad guy. As a matter of fact, I think Nick's probably a really nice guy snarky yeah but i i don't doubt his character yeah i think it's so important for for people especially because you know it's my people right now the libertarian uh circles to stop stop judging a person based on their politics i mean Nick's a nice guy. I'm sure. I'm sure Josh is a nice guy. I'm sure Gary Johnson's a nice guy. I'm sure Bill Weld's a nice guy. I'm sure Larry Sharp's a nice guy. Austin Peterson, Chris Spangle, Alicia Dern, Brian Nichols, Boss Hog of Liberty. What's up, Jeremiah Moral? Like, we're, we are all individuals. And with that, there are things about us that make us who we are, that are separate than our political ideals. And I think it's so important to be able to actually separate that and to be able to talk to people on a personal basis without the the nonsense of of this this, this political destruction of another person. I mean, I feel like Ben Shapiro talking about his wife here being a doctor, but like I was on a congressional campaign and I remember watching how how focused the people who were trying to take my candidate down i'm like i literally am driving with this guy 24 7 and as his body guy and as his mobile field rep like who the heck are you talking about in these these letters to the editor or or with these um you know the people calling in the radio shows and the like i'm like this isn't the same person and it's just because they, they people they take somebody's political views and they, they assume that that makes them a bad person. And going back to Charles Crowhammer, stop! Disagree with someone's politics, but please remember that that was a person with a life and a family, in some cases, kids. We, we gotta treat each other with some respect, folks. I mean, that's the whole reason I'm doing this show. We gotta be able to talk to people that are on the opposite side of the aisle and to just try to figure out where we come from and to be able to live on this earth together so we're not killing each other. That's why I can't stand it. I mean, libertarians especially, we promote the idea of, of the non-aggression principle and the ideas of peace, and then when anybody who, who's a socialist or a communist comes up, it's like, toss him out a helicopter. Screw off! You think that's productive? You think that's going to be able to, to, to win people over from the other side? You think that's going to be a way to be able to, to embrace libertarian ideals? Come on, guys. And this goes to everyone, not just libertarians. It goes to people on the left who look at you know the, the likes of, of... I mean, heck, look at Austin Peterson being a lambasted from people on the left and the right <laughs> over in his race in, in uh, Missouri. Austin was was saying he embraces uh, Second Amendment rights, and he's being called by Shannon Watts, uh, the head of that uh, gun-grabbing group, whatever name it is escapes me, Gun Moms for America, or some wacky thing. you know. And she's like, Oh, you hate children! You want them to die! It's like, stop! This isn't how it works. And I'm sorry I went off on a tangent there. But I think at the end of the day, we just have to understand that we are... We are people living on this earth and we have to be able to treat each other with respect and understanding otherwise i mean guys we're in this thing for the long haul whether we like it or not and i think until we're able to to understand that and we're able to, to truly start talking to each other we're never going to see any progress happen whatsoever so With that being said, it's been a long episode, even though I said it was going to be a short episode. It was longer last time before the whole thing got deleted. So you're welcome for it only being like 40-ish minutes here. So with that being said, ladies and gentlemen, if you enjoyed today's episode, please again go over to uh, to Twitter and Facebook at BNicholsLiberty. Give me a follow. Share the show today uh, with with friends and family. For people who you think will enjoy this episode, uh, please go to iTunes, rate, like, review, Every little bit helps. It helps get us up in the message boards. It helps get us up in the feeds. Um, and, and that will really help bring in a new audience. And again, if you want one of those great conversations starting, don't hurt people. Don't take people's stuff bumper sticker. Shoot me an email at Show at gmail.com. Be happy to get one over to you. Um, like I said, that's how we're able to keep this show afloat. Uh, and, and guys, I really do. I appreciate the response we've gotten from that, that, uh, that that big um you know mission we're doing with the don't for people don't people uh take people's bu- uh, stuff on bumper sticker there i said a, a mini stroke don't worry about me um but guys i i do appreciate everything that you you do please um you know feel free again to, to share the show um and as i already said i'm teasing the next week Uh, We're going to have Philip on, uh, hopefully with no tech issues. Hope my computer is good to go. Hopefully his computer is good to go. And uh, tease that libertarian guest we're going to have on. Uh, It's going to be a fun-filled week. But until next week, guys, thanks so much. And we'll talk to you then.